Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Why don't you turn me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 15. This is the foundational scripture that we've been going to. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 15. Once you're there, can you say, I'm there? If you need a minute, you can say, hold up. All right, all right. We also got it on the screen as well, and if you're watching online, you should be able to see that there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 through 15, says it like this. Put on the whole armor of God. In other words, don't be a spiritual streaker. Come on, let's make sure you're awake today. Don't just have the helmet, but put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In other words, just because you follow after Jesus, just because you've placed your faith in him doesn't mean that there won't be an evil day that bad things won't happen. In fact, Jesus actually promised that there would be trials, that there would be tribulation, but do not lose heart or lose hope because he has overcome the world. And he says, and having done all to stand firm. Can somebody say stand firm? Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and ask for shoes, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness Other translations say the preparedness given by the gospel, which is the good news of peace or the shoes of peace. One more time. Can somebody say the shoes of peace? Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, this is all about you. Have your way in this place, God. I pray right now that we would receive your word, God, that there is power in your word, God, that the scripture says the grass withers and the flower fades, but it's your word that will stand forever, God. I pray that right now, God, that we wouldn't just come to church just to get an emotional fix or to get hype, Lord, but that we would walk in the anointing, God, that we would receive your grace, your empowerment that you have over our lives, that we would walk out different than the way that we came. And I pray that there would be peace today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in Jesus' name. And somebody said, amen. Come on, somebody said, come on, if you love Jesus, put your hands together for him. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. Don't get too comfortable in that seat. You may get back up. Feel free to respond to the preaching and teaching of God's word, but uh, I'm so excited to be able to share this with you. Today we're talking about shoes. Can somebody say shoes? Come on. Do we have any shoe lovers or sneakerheads in the building this Sunday morning? I consider myself one, a sneakerhead. I, I just like me a good pair of shoes and I'm reminded whenever I lived with my parents, my father and I, uh, we wore the same shoe size because, you know, I was so thankful whenever my foot stopped growing because I was like, man, now I can really just stack up on the shoes. You know what I mean? Like for my wife, like the, the love language that I have, one of the love languages is gifts. So every year for anniversary, she'll get me a pair of shoes or something like that. 
Uh, but whenever my foot stopped growing, I began to get some shoes, and my dad began to notice. So he said, son, you know, we wear the same shoe size. Maybe, you know, you buy some shoes. I buy, we can share the shoes together. So me and my dad would share the same shoes, and we'd actually have a closet in the hallway where we would store all the shoes. And I won't lie, there were some Sundays and some services. I said, man, I want to wear these shoes today. I can't wait. And I would open up the closet, and they were gone. And PB's up here preaching, uh, looking all fly with those shoes. He got to them before me. So I learned from then on, grab them the night before, put them in, you know what I mean? So whenever I moved out, I don't know if my dad missed me or if he missed all the shoes, I don't know, but during my 21st birthday, y'all, I will never forget this, my dad took the time and he surprised me. I got home one day and all the shoes were cleaned and spotless and he took the time to, to hand wash and clean all the shoes that we had in the closet and come to find out there happened to be 21 pairs that were in those. Like, my goodness, you know what I mean? Come on, you, sometimes you don't know how much you got, right, as far as shoes and all that. Because the reason we had that many is because who knows that shoes have a specific purpose. We had different pairs of shoes for different occasions, right, because shoes are designed, different shoes are designed to do different things things in life. And there's all kinds of shoes out there. And if you can participate, feel free. Uh, I want to show you, we're going to have a little bit of fun this morning. I want to show you some pictures of some shoes on the screen. And I want you to respond by the function or what you would be doing if you wore these shoes. Starting with the first one right here. Uh, what kind of shoes are these right here? Anybody know? Basketball shoes, Air Jordan, or Air Jordan gave them away, right? These, these are basketball shoes. They help you uh, play basketball on the court and everything. Let's go to the next one real quick. Anybody know what shoes these are? Really curious to know. Okay. I haven't heard it yet. Pastor Bobby said it, but these are biking shoes, okay? You would actually wear these shoes to, to cycle and to bike for long distances. And good thing he knew that because he actually does have some because he's actually getting ready along with Pastor Alex for a 50-mile bike marathon later this year. Hey, Pastor Bobby, he, he's done like a 60-mile before, man. All I know, when he's coming down the hill, he says, get out the way. You know what I mean? Like, he just, he flies through, man. I love it. I love it. But, yeah, those are biking shoes. Let's go to the next one real quick. These are what? Cowboy boots, boots, right? Work boots, you know? Some of you may be wearing some. I, I wore these all the time, especially whenever I worked in attics as an AC technician. We'd have the steel toes on the front to protect your feet and everything. Let's go to the next one real quick. Anybody know? Some Crocs. There we go, some Crocs. Anybody got some Crocs in the building? No judgment, no judgment. I call these the I'm going to Walmart in the middle of the night shoes or the, the function of don't date me shoes, these yellow ones right here. No offense if you got some. I don't know if I would wear these yellow ones right here, but, hey, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, these are Crocs. You can go ahead and take those off the screen. I know we're having a little bit of fun this morning. Um, but the reason I show you those different shoes because different shoes carry different what? Functions. There's a purpose behind wearing different kinds of shoes. And so it is, y'all, uh, when it came to the shoes that the Apostle Paul was describing in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. They had a specific purpose, different than the shoes that we mentioned a second ago. Uh, in fact, these shoes are different because these are actually spiritual shoes, but he's correlating them to the shoes of a soldier. In fact, get this, the Apostle Paul, he was a Roman citizen. He was fully Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. And as he's writing the book of Ephesians or the letter to the church to Ephesus, he's actually writing it while he's in prison. So we could assume that while the Apostle Paul is describing and writing and talking about the armor of God, that he is actually viewing and observing the armor of a Roman soldier. 
So as he talks about the belt, he saw their belt. He saw the breastplate. He saw the shoes. He saw the helmet. He saw the sword. He saw the shield. He heard the words. He saw what they were doing. So he began to write about these shoes, a preparation of the gospel of peace. And these shoes would have looked like this to the Roman soldier right here. If you have that picture of those shoes of the Roman soldier, y'all got that one right there? These are what the shoes would have looked like during this time. And what these shoes were designed for is that these shoes were designed, and the function was for this, warfare. These shoes were designed for combat. And it would actually take some time to strap on and put on these shoes, which is no coincidence, I believe, why the Apostle Paul said that it would take some readiness, that it would take some preparation to wear the shoes of peace. In other words, it's not just going to happen, but you have to be intentional. You have to make a choice within your spirit that today I'm putting on the shoes of peace. It may take me some time. I may trip up here and there, but I am going to be intentional. But it's worth it when you get them on. And it was worth it for the Roman soldiers when they began to wear these shoes because they had important functions. I want to go over three primary functions of these shoes real quick. The first one being is this, that it gave the soldiers stability. Can somebody say stability? Because you probably saw it on the bottom. If you can put that picture back up. On the bottom of these shoes, there were these, these spikes, these studs that were on the bottom of them. And, and they would actually be nailed through the shoe. And the, the purpose and the point of that was so that way whenever the soldiers would stand on the battlefield or, or they would be standing, whatever ground that they were on, that they would have a strong grip to the floor so they could stand firm. Because who knows, what's the point of having nice and strong armor? If you're slipping and sliding on the battlefield, you'll find yourself in a vulnerable position if you don't have the right shoes on. So these would give the soldiers stability. Secondly, these shoes would give the soldiers mobility. That these shoes had to be light enough where they could quickly run in advance on the battlefield. They could charge and also so that way they can march long distances and it would give them mobility. In fact, get this, history records that before a Roman soldier would ever be trained to yield a weapon, that they would first have to be trained how to properly march or go long distances and march. They actually called this the loaded march. Where, get this, the Roman soldier recruit would have to march 18 and a half miles with 45 pounds of gear and equipment on him within six hours. And then once they did that, then they had to do it all again within six hours. But this time, March 22 miles. Because they didn't want to teach them how to yield and hold a sword if they didn't first find their footing. So it gave them mobility. Then the third thing that these shoes gave the soldiers was this. It gave them unity. There was unity that took place because these soldiers were actually trained to, to march and stomp. On, so can you do this with your feet real quick? Come on. One, two. One, two, right? They would march and sink. And the reason that they would do that is because on the bottom part of these shoes, it would create this distinct, loud, clacking sound. So that way, as they were approaching and advancing on the enemy, it would begin to intimidate the enemy. It was a type of psychological warfare to see this mass 
group of people approaching and about to engage them in warfare. But even as they began to fight on the battlefield, they would purposely stomp on their fallen foes to ensure that that foe didn't get back up later on down the line and attack their fellow soldiers from behind or on the side. And the reason I want to say all that and talk about that today is because these, these shoes gave the soldiers three things. Stability, mobility, and unity. And can I tell you, so it is, y'all, in a similar way in spiritual warfare when it comes to the shoes of peace, that when we have the right shoes on, guess what? We can stand in stability. We can move in mobility. Oh, come on. And we can march in unity as people who are part of the Lord's army. Come on. Is anybody ready to stand firm? Is anybody ready? Come on. And what I want to do today is this, because this is so important. As we talk about your stance, as we talk about your footing, I want to give you three simple points that line up with these right here that, that correspond to stability, mobility, and unity. The first one being is this, that stable soldiers, you can write this down, stable soldiers stand firm when there is conflict. Stable soldiers stand firm when there is conflict, because once again, when the soldiers would engage in hand-to-hand -hand combat, there would be nothing more embarrassing or devastating than slipping and falling. Can you imagine, like, approaching somebody, seeing somebody about them coming out, and just, boom, just fall? Like, that would be, that would be, I would be embarrassed. You know what I mean? And that probably would have been me, right, slipping aside on the battlefield with, because I'm just clumsy a little bit sometimes. But that's why... These soldiers had to have these, these, these spikes on the bottom of them because it was so important for them to, to, to firmly stand their ground. And, y'all, this theme of standing firm is seen all throughout Scripture and even in the verses that we read because the question is not this. Get this. The question is not will there be conflict or an attack. That's not the question. You know what the real question is? How will you respond when there is conflict and when there is an attack. That's why we have to be prepared and ready and stand firm for whatever the enemy will try to throw at us because it's been said before, the worst type of attack and hit is the one that you don't see coming. But guess what? When you learn how to stand, you can withstand whatever the enemy tries to throw at you. The Apostle Paul mentions this Multiple times in Ephesians chapter 6, check this out. He says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against the schemes of the devil. Having done all to what? Stand firm. Stand, therefore. I think we're called to stand. I don't think we're called just to be on the side and sit down and act casual and act relaxed. Because be careful, if you begin to act casually, you could become a casualty. If we're not prepared, you have to be prepared. I've heard it said before that proper preparation prevents poor performance. That if you're not prepared, if, you don't, if you're not ready, you can easily be thrown off. The Apostle Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, he says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Somebody say, stand firm. 
Let nothing move you. In other words, don't let that job loss move you. Don't let your bank account move you. Don't let that breakup move you. Don't let that diagnosis move you. Don't let politics move you. Don't let that situation move you. I don't know who in here feels like they're shaking and they're scared, but let me tell you, you don't have to be like that. You can stand firm on the truth of who Jesus Christ is in your life. It's a decision that we have to make. I love this scripture in Exodus chapter 14. This is the nation of Israel after they have been released from Egyptian captivity and slavery. And now they find themselves in a situation where they are cornered, where the Red Sea is in front of them. And Pharaoh and his army and his chariots, they changed their mind. They wanted to get him back, are behind them. And now they find themselves cornered. And listen to what Moses tells them. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. I don't know who this word is for this Sunday morning, but I feel like there's somebody who finds themselves in a situation or a circumstance where you feel cornered, where you feel like there's no way to turn. You feel like you have no other option. The odds are stacked against you. It feels like the enemy is having a heyday over your life. I came to encourage you and declare the same thing that Moses declared, and that's that this, that sometimes all you have to do is stand firm and see what God will begin to do. Oh, come on. When you don't know what else to do, sometimes you just got to stand firm. Some of you, you have been through some things in your life. You've been through hell, but guess what? You're still standing, and you stand firm because guess what? God can give you a peace. Oh, come on. Does anybody believe that there's such thing as the peace of God, that there is a peace available that comes from God himself that this world cannot offer, a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that can't be explained a peace that can only be experienced. Somebody say stand firm. Sometimes that's all you have to do is stand firm. I'm reminded of a video I saw a while back, y'all. I saw a video of this guy who was out in Africa, and all of a sudden this lion started charging after him. And I was like, I almost skipped the video. I was like, oh, man, I already know what's about to happen. This dude about to die. This lion's coming at him and everything. And this man standing there, y'all, unmoved. Not shaking, looking straight at the line like this, chest out. And when that line comes at him, all of a sudden, line gets about 10, 5 feet away from him, stops, backs away, and runs away. I was like, my goodness, what just? And I began to Google it. I was like, how do you survive a lion attack? Like, when am I ever going to be in this situation? Come on, anybody's like, it's like, I just got to be prepared. I'm prepared for anything, and I may be at the zoo. I don't know. But come to find out, experts actually, that's one of the things they recommend is for, for you not to run away because you're just stimulating them to chase after you even more and hunt you down. As I've heard it said before, sometimes you don't have to outrun the lion. You just got to outrun the person next to you. I don't know. But, but, but they say if you have no other means of defense and you're standing right because you can't outrun a lion running th about 35 miles an hour. You, you can't run. But one of the best things that you can do, they say, is to simply stand firm with your feet planted, shoulders back. Because here's what will begin to happen. 
the lion, as they, are, as they are approaching you, or the lion, when it's approaching you, will begin to think, wait a second, this person's not shaking. This person's not, this person is probably a threat. And the lion will be the one to begin to run away. Oh, come on, somebody. First Peter, I don't know if you've seen this before, because the scripture says that the devil, guess what, prowls around in First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says it like this, that be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. I always stop right there, but then I feel like the Holy Spirit told me to keep on reading because it says this, looking for someone to devour, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Oh, come on, somebody. So guess what? The next time the enemy starts growling, the next time the enemy starts showing you his teeth, the next time the enemy tries to intimidate you and come after you, guess what? Sometimes all you have to do is put on the shoes of peace, plant your feet on the ground, have your shoulder back, and start, instead of saying, why me? You need to start saying, try me, devil. I'm not afraid of you. Oh, come on, somebody. You can be like Daniel in the lion's den. Oh, what happened? They threw Daniel in the lion's den, but God shut the lion's mouth. Oh, come on. You serve a God. There is nothing too hard for your God. You serve a faithful God. You serve a good God. Guess what? And you can tell the, tell the devil, devil, you may have a bark, but you got no bite. Devil, the scripture says he is like, he is like a lion. Didn't say he is a lion. But guess what? He's like a lion on a leash because guess what? Jesus Christ has already defeated him. Jesus Christ. Can we tell you something? You're on the winning team. The devil is already defeated. The devil has already been beaten, and he's already been judged. And one day he'll be thrown into the pit, and in the meantime, he's trying to do everything he can to drag everybody else with him. But not for me and my house. Oh, come on. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to stand firm. We need to have our feet planted. Let me tell you something real quick. Right now, this is so important in the nation, in the world that we are living in. When it feels like there's so much chaos and turmoil and confusion, we need to be the type of people that stand firm on the rock, on Jesus Christ. We have our life built on the right foundation. Come on, is there any stable soldiers in the building this Sunday morning? We got to move on. Somebody say, be stable. The next point I want to give you is this. Let's talk about mobility, that mobile soldiers move forward as commanded. Mobile soldiers, so they give us stability, these shoes, but they also give us mobility. That it would be these shoes, y'all, that, that, that would help the soldiers move and, and, and advance. Because, you know, these shoes are not only for defense. These shoes are also for offense. That, yes, there is a time to stand. There is a time to stand. But can I tell you, there's also a time to move forward. Because guess what? Let me remind you today. That there's actually territory that God wants you to take, people that God wants to use you to reach, and progress that God wants you to make in life. And it would be these shoes, y'all, that would give the Roman soldiers the mobility and agility to quickly move into battle. And they had to be ready at any given moment for battle as they were commanded. Because who knows that there are some attacks that are going to require you to move your feet. 
that whenever the enemy, whenever there's attack, an attack against your family or your children, guess what? You don't have to stand in the back and do nothing, but because you have the shoes of peace on, guess that, what that means? You are prepared for battle, and you can march in and do what God has called you to do. Somebody say, there's a time to move. The question is this, how do we know when to move? The same way that the soldiers, the Roman soldiers would know when and how to move. The same way that even our military is organized and everything. Why? How? By following the chain of command. Can I tell you that the kingdom of God, he has an army. That there's warrior and guardian angels, but also we're part of the Lord's army. That you have authority in your life. That's what we're called to have and, and, and put on the full armor of God. And guess what? Jesus, he is our commander in chief. God himself is the general, right? The scripture says God is mighty in battle. You serve a God that's never lost a battle. It, you, by his spirit, he can lead you and direct you. And there will be times where you feel a witness in your spirit that you need to step out by faith and do what God has called you to do. I just want to say thank you, Dad, real quick, to you and to Mom. Because there were times, y'all, because let me, let me just help some parents out real quick. God wants to help you parent and lead your children. And that by his spirit, you don't have to do it on your own. Because there were times, y'all, whenever I was in my room and I felt depressed and I was experiencing things at school. And all of a sudden, my dad would come to my room and he would say, son, I was praying for you. And the Lord told me to come and, and pray over you. He would pray over me and the spirit of God would touch me. Why? Because he was being obedient to what God said to do. Think about this for a second. You serve a God that knows all that sees all, he sees, because right now we, we just see things from this level, but you serve a God that sees the entire battle. He's the one that sees every play. He sees every move, and he wants to help you out. Come on, this makes sense to somebody today? In other words, how do we do that, though? And I believe it's like this, because we, we talked about this in the beginning, and we looked at the syllabus, but, but that how these, these, these different pieces of the armor of God correspond to, to the seven spirits or the attributes of God mentioned in the book of Isaiah that, that, that deal with the menorah or the light, because this is also known as the armor of light. And one of those being is this, the fear of the Lord. In other words, the way that we walk in the ways of God is by having the fear of God in our hearts. What is that? That doesn't mean that we're afraid of God and we run away from God. What the fear of God is is simply this. It's having reverence and respect for God because you know his level. You know the position. You know what he's done for you. Therefore, you're in awe of him, of his majesty and of his authority. And you say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I want to be led by you. It's been said before that if you want to make sure that you have the right fear, Check your feet. Because the fear of God will cause you to follow after God and be led by God because you know the position that you have in him. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 through 13 says it like this. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to what? Fear the Lord your God and to walk in obedience to him, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to what? Observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. 
that even for the nation of Israel, y'all, there was a time where they had to stand firm. But then as God parted the Red Sea, God said, now is a time to move forward. There is a time to move forward after him. It says, do what he says to do. See, get this. So the prerequisite to following and after the ways of God is the fear of God. You know, the scripture says that the fear of God is actually the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is what? Knowing the ways of God. What am I trying to say? That I want to encourage somebody today and let you know that God wants to help lead you. He wants to help guide you. He wants to help shepherd you in your life. But we just need to learn how to submit, how to surrender, and how to humble ourselves before him. Psalm chapter 37, verse 23 says it like this. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Come on, has anybody ever had a plan before? And it felt, all of a sudden it felt like God messed it all up or God had a, a better plan or something like that, right? It's been said before, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? That's what I've heard somebody say, but, but when God leads you, and direct, I think he sees the heart. He sees the intention. Don't, don't overthink it. Don't think, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything at all. Let me tell you, when you do what's possible, God will begin to do what's impossible. When you just play your part, you have the heart, say, Lord, uh, and, and don't be afraid of making mistakes and failing or fall. Just, do, just, be, just try to be led by God. Every, open up his word. His word is full of commands. His, his word is full of instructions. And, and the more that you get into his word, the more that you'll hear his voice and be led by him. Proverbs chapter, yeah, it's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. I love this scripture. Maybe one of my favorite ones in the Bible. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Got some good news. If you don't know what move to make next, if you don't know how to respond to the enemy, if you don't want to do, give God a chance. Let's not lean just on our own understanding and all of our ways. Let's humble. Let's surrender. Let, let's, let's acknowledge him in all of our ways. And who's thankful that he will direct our paths and make them straight? The scripture says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the, there's no, I'm telling you, there's, there's no greater peace than knowing this. I'm going where God has called me to go, and I'm doing what God has called me to do. People may go this way, people may go that way, but I'm being led by the good shepherd. His rod and his staff comfort me. Come on, can we thank God for that? Because his ways are higher than our ways, y'all. Last point I want to give you is this, is that united soldiers make peace with their company. And worship team, you can go ahead and come up. United, so we talked about stability. We talked about mobility. But now I want us to talk about this, unity. And earlier we mentioned how when the Roman soldiers would begin to march, then they would stomp at the same rhythm and same pattern. What would happen? It would make this sound that would begin to intimidate and, and scare the enemy. And let me tell you, if there's one thing that the devil is afraid of, he's afraid of a united church, y'all. That You know, the devil loves division. He loves discord. He, he loves to see people hold and harbor unforgiveness. Because he, 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 he loves it. But, but, but God, let me tell you something. The scripture even says that whenever God saw 
the people build the Tower of Babel and constructing it, he saw that they were unified. And he said, there's nothing that they, they can't do. So he gave them different languages and they scattered together. How much more, y'all? And they were building something that was like an idol to themselves. What will happen if we come together with the right heart to build something to glorify? What, how much more can we see God do? Because let me tell you something. The devil does not know what to do with a church that comes together in one mind and one accord. The devil doesn't know what to do with a family that knows how to pray together. See, it's been said before, prayer is not a last resort. Prayer is a first response. Gather together, get the children together, pray with them. There is power in that. There's a, a covering. There is a shield of protection that, that, that God will give you. There, there is something powerful when we come together. When we as a church, y'all, know and understand the authority that we have, and we begin to march and walk in unity, and we begin to take ground back, I wonder what would begin to happen if we came together as a church, unified together, begin to pray, begin to seek after God, and all of a sudden we walk. And we begin to take ground back from the enemy. Light begins to invade the darkness. Because let me remind you, the devil is not afraid of a big church. The devil's not afraid of a big building. He's not afraid of all those things. You know what he's afraid of? Not of a big church. He's afraid of a united church. Come on, does anybody want to see unity in the body of Christ? Unity at a church, guess what? Because this is something that, this is, this, is, this is spiritual warfare right here. Oh, you, you don't, this is spiritual warfare. Unity? The enemy will try to do whatever he can to create division and to create strongholds over you and your family, husbands and wives. Unforget, he will do whatever he can. That's why we need to make a decision as a church that we're going to love. We're going to forgive. We're going to cover each other's back. I'm going to stomp on some devil's heads for you. You're going to stomp on some devil's heads for me. We're going to march and sink, and it's a decision. Unity. Somebody say unity. Where does unity begin? How do we see unity? What's the first letter of unity? You. Unity begins with you. Stop complaining and saying, man, there's so much division. There's, so much, there's this and that in the, in the world, in the church, and, and this and that. Guess what? Make the decision. Let it start with you that I'm going to love, that I'm going to forgive, that I'm going to make, that I'm going to trust in God because this is what I'm called to do because the devil doesn't know what to do. When we gather together where there is unity, God commands there to be a blessing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 through 15 says it like this. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace, somebody say peace, of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Somebody say, I am called to peace. Peace. Let me tell you something. You have peace available to you through Jesus Christ, who is known as the Prince of Peace. You want to experience peace? Make Jesus your Prince. Make him your King. And God can give you a peace. Jesus told the disciples, peace I leave with you. Peace I give you. Not peace that this world can offer. 
But there's a peace that you can experience, y'all, that comes from God that can cause you to remain calm in the midst of chaos. And this is so important for us to grab a hold of as a church because we're going to walk into situations or circumstances or we're going to meet people where there's no peace evident. No peace at all. But guess what? Since you carry and have the shoes, the preparation of the gospel of peace, guess what that means? That you can walk into a situation and bring the peace of God with you. Jesus said it like this. Jesus said, blessed are the peace, what? Makers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He did not say peacekeepers. There's a difference between being a peacemaker and peacekeeper, right? Because sometimes we think that peace is the absence of conflict. Peace is the absence of opposition. Peace means that the bills are paid and this is good and that's good and I'm getting along with this person, but no, no, no. Peacekeepers, you know what they do? They run away from that. They run away from conflict. They don't know how to do it, whether, whether there's, there's a, there, if they feel uncomfortable. They, they get out of there and think that's peace, but that's artificial, superficial peace. But a peacemaker, on the other hand, We'll see something like that and say, oh, man, it's all good. I have the shoes. Of, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to step in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be led by God and make resolutions for it. See, peacemakers are quick to admit when they're wrong and make a mistake. They own up to it, and they make amends. Peacemakers, guess what? Peacemakers know who the real enemy is. Peacemakers will stomp on the devil's head at times. Oh, come on. Peacemakers know how to fight for what's right. Peacemakers leave things better than before. And that's what we're called to be like as a church. We are called to be a church, a people of peace. Can somebody say peace? Get this real quick. This word peace actually comes from this, this Hebrew word right here, which is shalom. Somebody say shalom. See, shalom, and this word right here in the Hebrew means this, ultimate peace, wholeness. Did you know that in the Hebrew culture, Whenever they would walk into a house, it was customary for them to say this, shalom. Shalom. And that was different than hello because you know what that meant, shalom? That meant for them that no matter this type of environment or place that they were walking into, that they would make a decision that wherever I go, peace is going. They took on the responsibility, y'all, of making things better wherever they went. Why? Because they made, took ownership and said, you know what? I carry peace, ultimate peace. I, I, I have wholeness that's with me. And that's what we're called to be like, y'all. And here's actually something interesting. Did you know that the word shalom can also be translated to Salem? Salem. I don't think it's a coincidence, y'all, that our next church building is going to be built on Salem Road, y'all. I don't think it is. Because that's what we're called to be like. Let me tell you, you are called to peace. You are called to be a peacemaker. No matter the situation or circumstance or what you are going through, put on the whole armor of God. Stand firm when there is conflict. Move forward as commanded. Be united. Make peace with the company that is there. At your home, at your job, at your school, wherever you go, let's be peacemakers. Let's bring light to the darkness. Let's let the light of God shine. Let's let Jesus be glorified. Oh, come on. Can we stand to our feet this Sunday morning? I want to close with this scripture right here. Romans chapter 10, verse 15 says like this. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those 
who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now, you may be saying to yourself, well, this scripture right here is only for preachers. This scripture right here is only for pastors because I don't preach. But let me tell you something real quick, and it's something I heard before too. See, my greatest sermon is never going to be behind this platform, behind this pulpit. My greatest sermon is going to be off the stage by the life that I live. Guess what? Every day you are preaching a sermon by the life that you live, that you are called. Your feet are blessed. They may be stinky, but they're blessed. You carry the gospel of peace. And guess what that means? That means we have a responsibility not only to tell people who Jesus is, but guess what? Show people who Jesus is by the peace and the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Amen? Come on, does anybody receive this word this Sunday morning? I pray so. Stability, mobility, and unity. Do we have any shoulders that are ready to take ground back from the enemy? Oh, come on, is anybody ready for your family, for your church, for the city? Come on, let's pray together right now in this moment. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice. Maybe you're watching online right now. Maybe you're here in the building. Maybe you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The scripture says when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you shall be saved. So right now in this moment, say, Lord Jesus, I place my faith in you. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I repent, God. I believe that you died and that you rose, that you were Lord. I give you my life, oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, right now. And I pray right now for the peace of God to cover every home, over every marriage right now, that we will stand firm, that no weapon formed against us will prosper in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, for equipping us, oh God, helping us stay strong, God, in in the midst of what's going on, oh God. But we thank you, Lord, that we're on the winning team that we are victorious, God, and that you are doing, God, the work, that you, God, will fight, God, that you will use us. So I thank you, Lord, for anointing our hands, anointing our feet, God. Let us be peacemakers no matter where we go. In Jesus' name, and somebody, if you believe that and receive that, can somebody say amen? Oh, come on, can you say amen? Oh, come on, can we just press in and worship just for the next few moments before we leave this place? Can we sing it out? Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on, right now, before you leave this place, you don't have to walk out of here not carrying the peace of God, but his presence is in here. His spirit is in here. He wants to equip you. He wants to empower you. Thank you, Jesus. Just receive. Just believe and receive. Thank you, Lord, by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, watching online right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your peace, God. God, right now we pray fear leave, depression go, worry go, anxiety go, everything not from you, God. You have not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. We thank you, Lord, for peace today over your people, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, sing it out. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.